Aurochs versus the Deluca Goers is the very first game you play to uh, actually introduce you to Blitzball, and I will reset as many times as it takes to win that game. I will not let the Goers beat me, and so I. This is uh, thank you, thank you very much. I live for that face. Chloe was like, because uh, we were ordering our shirts at the same time. She was like, I don't get yours at all. I was like, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> Yeah, that's not something I would expect her to get, uh, which is fine. The less most people know about Blitzball, the better. And because we're talking about nerdy things that even our own super whack nerd friends don't understand. You know, but- it's weird. for the They're like the, the championship team, right? But the Luka Goers have very poor stats compared to a lot of the people you recruit later in the game. Oh, okay. So, part one. Hi, this is the Big, Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. Okay, now I'm going to go on to describe what this show is all about, but before we get to what the show is generally about, I need you to know what I'm about. And that is, in Final Fantasy X, when it comes to Blitzball, I do not recruit other members. I rely exclusively on my original Besaid Aurochs. Well, yeah, you must grind their stats forever to get them to, like, where they can complete a pass at, like, the higher level games. I mean, I don't remember... So, I mean, yeah... (laughs) <laughs> it didn't it didn't feel like grinding to me because I was so in love with the process. I'm love of the game, Kyle, love of the game. Yes. But before we get too carried away, uh this show is not uh ostensibly about Blitzball. It is about a little TV show uh known as The Big Bang Theory where a bunch of nerds have lives that are supposed to be interesting to us and we go in to figure out why it is that uh, their their nerdiness either grates on the nerves of real nerds in the real world, or where they get it right, or where there's no comparison, or where the show just tickles or doesn't tickle us. Uh, it's a bullshit show. We bullshit a lot about it. It's show the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and so I, I'm going to do my best to step away from Blitzball for a moment, uh, and we could just get into the short episode summary. Any business before I dive in, Kyle? Nope, let's hit this one. Okay, today we watched Season 4, Episode 11. Actual title of the episode was the Justice League Recombination. Maybe the laziest title to date. The, this, this episode, uh, cold opening, the nerds are playing what appears to be Magic the Gathering, though obviously a generic version of it. And when they're in the middle of, the, in the middle of their game, Penny comes knocking at the apartment with new quote-unquote boyfriend, Zack, who is the super dumb guy from previous episodes and he decides that he wants to try to fit in and talk some science with the boys uh, and they relentlessly make fun of him he's too dumb to pick up on most of it but then he eventually does get the idea that oh you're making fun of me that's hurtful and so he he pouts off penny scolds the, the nerds and uh they go back to penny's apartment uh, then when the episode actually starts The nerds are talking about the degree of remorse which they should express and who is really responsible about it, which is something I do want to drill down into once we finish the summary. But Leonard decides, oh, we should go apologize to him. We were pretty mean. Uh, When they do go apologize, someone mentions that they are going to, the, the nerds are all going to the annual New Year's Eve party at Stewart's comic book shop and that they always dress as the, the Justice League and that they're just going to go buy comics this time. 
Zach wants to go with. He ditches Penny to hang out with the nerd boys, and they are all shocked, and they don't really want him there, but whatever, let's be nice, and we haven't come along anyway. They get to the shop, they're talking more about the costume party, and they decide, hey, you know what would really be great is if we had someone actually muscly to dress like Superman. And so Sheldon proposes the idea, and everyone is on board, that Leonard, previously Superman, is too tiny and weak to really play the part. They're going to give it to their new, dumb, beefy friend, Zack. And then Leonard is going to take the part of uh, the Green Lantern. I think Sheldon must always be the Flash, Wallowitz is Batman, and Raj gets stuck with Aquaman, which he is very hurt by. They decide that they want Penny to be Wonder Woman, uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Wonder Woman. And so they all go back to the apartment. They convince her to dress up in the outfit. And she's she does it, but she's not into it. She's very clearly unhappy. They, they make a round of comments uh, demanding that she wear the black wig because Wonder Woman is not blonde. And then she gets huffy and storms off. So then all the dudes, now including Zack, uh, are sitting around wondering what they've done wrong, how to fix it, how they're going to salvage this costume and this party and everything else. They take some turns bugging Penny to try to get her to come out of her sad hole in her apartment and just come to the party dressed as Wonder Woman or whatever. They're just trying to get her along. It doesn't work until there is a little bit of chat about the awkwardness with the fact that Penny would be going to the party with both Zack and Leonard, which has to be clarified because it's been long enough that I didn't see this as an awkward situation but it's like oh I used to, she used to date Zach and now she's dating Zach again and she used to date Leonard it's weird to be there with your current boyfriend and your ex-boyfriend blah, 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 blah. Leonard goes over to Penny's apartment she does let him in they talk about their relationship status I fucking tune out because I don't give two shits about the actual basis for this show anymore. <laughs> but they talk about their awkward feelings and how Penny was only dating Zach because she needed a date to a New Year's Eve party so she wasn't alone. Uh, Leonard cheers her up. It's a little weird. They get over it. But she puts on the wig. They go to the costume shop. They win the party. They win uh, the party. <laughs> yeah, I said they win the party. I meant to say they, they win. They, I think they said they go to the costume shop and win the party. I meant to say they go to the party and wish the, win the costume contest. That is... The end of the episode, they don't actually end up confronting the awkward feelings, except that at New Year's, the actual midnight countdown, Zack makes out with Penny. Penny looks at Leonard while this is happening, and Leonard pouts. Uh, and then on a f two awful scenes at the... Well, not awful, I'm being too mean. Two just throwaway scenes at the end of the episode. Everyone dressed as the Justice League is walking home together. They see some people breaking into a car... And they all decide what the Justice League would really do in the situation is quietly turn around and walk away and hope that the robbers, burglars, don't notice them. And that's exactly what they do. And then there is a final, final scene where Sheldon, uh, Leonard asks Sheldon whether he can adjust the thermometer. Uh, I mean, thermostat. Le Sheldon leans into his fantasy of being the Flash. And there is a clip of him speeding it, uh, across the the continental U.S. to the Grand Canyon so he can go scream about how annoying Leonard is before speeding back again to the apartment and saying, oh, that's fine. End of episode. Okay. Any details to include that I may have skipped over? No, not really. I think you got it all. Okay. Before really getting into the episode, I want to get into something that's not in the episode. And this episode features neither... Oh, well, so no, two, two people, I meant to say, uh, no Amy, no Bernadette's. 
Amy uh, doesn't believe in dressing up in costumes in the first place. Bernadette uh, was quarantined because she and some of her lab buddies apparently were, were drinking shots out of petri dishes that previous contained cult- previously contained cultures of yellow fever. And this further cements that Bernadette rules. I am upset that she is not in the show more. I really wanted to see how she would participate in the costume contest, and Amy too, but more so Bernadette. I am a little bit in love with Bernadette, and this wasn't a question that she directly tied into when I was watching this episode, but I think there is a connection now that I'm thinking about it, is Zach is in this episode because he is, you know, your example of really dumb, nice guy that has nothing in common with the nerds, and so they have to kind of learn what they can get along with, how they can connect it all when he wants to hang out. But something I was wondering about based on that is, where are the cool scientists at Caltech? Because there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people that I, I mean, I assume there are a lot of people that work alongside our main nerds. And they, and the whole purpose of the show is to ridicule them for being so nerdy but where are their less nerdy but just as intelligent colleagues? Because I feel like in this episode where they're in a position to kind of belittle Zack, it's because they have obviously superior intellect and they look down on him for that. But I want to see a situation where they are with their intellectual equals and nonetheless get razzed for being goofballs. And because I think it's pretty, I mean, I, I say this like it's some sort of weird theory or mystery or anything. Like, they're cool scientists. They're cool, smart people. Why, why, are, why do we only have the the nerdiest, wackiest of the smart people? Where are the the other smart people to compare our smart people to? Well, there was the there was that I can't remember what how he got on the show, but remember there was briefly that guy who was like also an astronomer or whatever. Um, or a physicist who, like, rode a motorcycle and dated Penny briefly? This is completely gone from my brain. For a second, I thought you were building up towards reintroducing Kripke, but he is not no, a cool Kripke, guy. <laughs> Kripke is also on the show. He's not a cool guy. He is He is occasionally portrayed as being, like, smarter or more capable than them in various ways. Yes. But, no, there was the dude... I feel like... I feel, Now I can't. It's... I mean, it's... I don't know why I would ex- anyone would expect us to be able to keep up with this stuff, but Penny... Briefly dated a guy whose whole jam was he was both as smart or smarter than Leonard and also much more handsome and traditionally cool. It was only for like an episode and then they broke up. I think it's because it turned out that dude was married and was cheating on Penny behind that dude's back but, or behind, uh, behind his wife's back. But I can't really remember the context of that episode. Wow, that is 100% gone from my brain. Well, I guess we, I'm glad we had the one example, I suppose, to, to check in. Well, but it, it mostly goes to, like, highlight just how, like, basically, you need to root for these characters. And if they were both not the, if they were only, if they were, if there were other people who were smarter than them and also just, like, better, more cool than them, you just want those characters to be the, it'd be like the, it's the Fonz problem, you know? Happy days, right? It's, uh, it was supposed to be about, like, these four random you know, like college kids, and then they introduce the one cool guy, and everybody's like, "Well, fuck the college kids." I want to hear more about this guy with the slicked back hair who can start a jukebox by hitting it with his bare hands. Well, but I think it would still be possible to have 
non-super nerdy smart people that don't automatically become the center of attention or the most likable. Because they, I mean, I'm saying, where are their intellectual peers who maybe aren't as nerdy, but have some other flaws? Like maybe they're jerks or stuck up or... Well, yeah. what's her name who, who Leonard dated who's a sex addict? We're not. Are we talking about Stephanie? That's the only person I, oh, the other person I remember that he dated. I don't remember whether she was her a sex name's addict. Stephanie. Yeah, I don't. She was the girlfriend who was there for two episodes and then just disappeared without explanation. No, the girl. She. They weren't really dating. It's the the one. God, we are really. So this is awful because I you, hold I hold myself to no standard in remembering have, these things. You have. I mean, obviously, but you are normally. This is my job to do the heavy lifting. But I was so unprepared for you to ever ask like a question like this that I feel like basically we're betraying our own premise that our audience is like, yeah, there was that. Remember, there's the girl you liked her, the girl who was on Roseanne, who's like occasionally bones Oh, no, I didn't. Well, that's because you described her as a sex addict. I don't think of her as that. Um, Well, I can play there. There was was that. There was also that girl who showed up like for for one episode and like tried to lure Leonard and Raj and uh, Howard into like some sort of group sex thing. But I don't remember what her deal was. Okay, I mean, so Leslie Winkle is a fuck machine. I don't think it was ever touched upon that she was a sex addict. I think no, I admit that I got her conflated with the other character. <sighs> All right, well, fine. But Leslie, you were like, why are where are the smart characters who are also cool? And I was like, you thought Leslie Winkle was cool. Well, I mean, but I thought she was cool because she's a fuck machine. She also is an emotionless. A uh, weirdo who 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 hurt our poor sweet Leonard, and that's so. What do you you basically you want a character who's more relatable and and also smart? No, again, not. But who's, you don't think that not who's necessarily to- more relatable, but someone who is like a person you might meet in the world, and not just a parody of the nerdiest kind of people you can imagine. I think Leslie Winkle's cool. She's not a cool person. Like, in quotes, capital C. Like, she's not someone that is going out and having fun and having effortless social interactions because she's a normal, well-socialized human being. She is another one of the nerds. Fair enough. I Basically, what I am saying is if you had people like that, they would so drastically overshadow our main characters that it, the show would not work. Well, and I am disagreeing, but I understand why you would say that. But this, this. So the other question I had, which it's is, it's like when Steve Urkel got the magic box that turned him from like a nerd into like a cool guy, and people and oh, gradually, Stefan, whatever his name was, but Stefan is what it was. Not it's, <laughs> okay. So maybe he wasn't as cool as I remember. If his name was Stefan, you know, he went from Steve to Stefan. And there was like a whole period where it was like, well, maybe we don't need Steve Urkel on the show anymore. Let's just have the other version of the character instead. People like him more anyway. Okay, now we are having a battle over the what history really is, because growing up with that show, um, I did not watch it regularly, but I watched it often enough, and I think I became myself much less interested when Stefan became a regular thing, because I couldn't give a shit about Stefan. I wanted this wacky guy who loved cheese and was wondering what he may have just done, because uh, I was like... So, fine, I give up on the... I give up on the... 
the metaphors. Maybe you're right. I mean, I, I admit your central point, which is in real life, yes, obviously it is not the case that everyone you meet who is nerdy. I mean, it's also the case that there are some real nerdy losers out there. Well, I mean, the people listening to the show know because we're two of them. But yes, I acknowledge that there are like also just like cool people who are into like math and engineering and science. Yeah. I, personally, I hate them because I feel like they've, I feel like they double dipped on the stat pool. But, um, well, and I didn't think about this while watching the episode, but just based on what you just said, you know, I think in this series, we have exclusively smart, nerdy people. I think we also need to see some real fucking dumb, nerdy people, because I think that now, is something. That would be, yes, that now we, okay, now I'm with you. Now you sold me on it. It's like, if we're going to really balance out the portrayal of nerd culture, then yes, we need some smart, cool nerds, and we need just some absolute awful mouth breezers who also can barely like who get a ged whoa hey let's not shit on people who are getting alternatives to a traditional high school education (laughs) there's nothing you're not dumb if you get a ged but there are dumb people like i think it's really easy to be part of a larger nerdy community and be like i like superman and i'm isolated and i'm smart therefore and this is a big leap and maybe uh, evidence that in general nerds can't be that smart but i would feel like oh so other people with similar interests must also have similar i don't know upbringings or social views or whatever and in any case if if we can relate on superman there's probably another a lot of other stuff we can relate on and then you'll meet someone who's as big of a superman fan maybe to the exclusion of all other aspects of life and is yes a dullard or just a, a yes. creep or an asshole or whatever. Yes, but I would that... like to take a moment to apologize for my elitist comments based on education and conflating it with self worth. So I take that back. Okay, good. All right, Kyle canceled. Love you anyway. But yeah, it's and I think I saw a lot of this when I worked in a comic book shop. Is okay. That magic was featured in this game. Some version of the game Magic: The Gathering. And when I worked in a comic book shop. The comic book lovers were generally fine. I always had an issue where everyone expected me as the comic shop employee to know everything about superhero comics, but um, obnoxious douche as I am, I would often have to explain, I work here, I don't really read superhero stuff. If you want to talk about random semi-pseudo-indie graphic novels or whatever, I can be your guy. But no, I don't know what happened to Deadpool this month. And people would get upset at me for that, but I could tolerate it. I at least was on the same level as people with that issue. What I had a really much harder time with was magic players. When I worked at a comic book shop, oh, I they were scum. I hated them. Not because, I mean, I sure the game is fine. And I think I had more respect for people who would come buy cards and go home to play magic but as the guy who had to run the magic tournaments and seeing grown ass mid thirties nerds get into yelling matches with tweens about whether a rule actually applied in whatever particular situation and me not giving a shit. Cause I was just trying to watch reruns of the X files and wait for the clock to run out. It was an awful experience. <laughs> yes. So we should definitely have that on the show. Yeah. I don't know. I have the, so I have, um, as long as we're just telling personal stories, there's a nerd bar in Los Angeles um, called Scum and Villainy. I don't know if it's still oh, there. Christ. It might it might have collapsed from the pandemic. But I hate going there 
I thought I would enjoy it, but every time I go there, it's like, yes, there are two types of people. There are the people who are religiously accepts, obsessed with board games to the point where it has uh, eclipsed their whole personality. Now, to be fair, that's partially my fault for going on board game night. So you got me there. Um, so, that's a problem you and I have also had together. Is like, well, the only time we went yeah, to we a sex dungeon to, was also on board going game to night. On board game night, we don't like board. I think there's one thing you and I can bond over is we don't like traditional board gamers that much. Yeah, as people. But then there are also like these cosplayer people, these people who like are super into the into the culture of like putting on the outfits and the costumes, and they get all makeup made up, and they look so good that it's sort of painful to look at them. And that's, like, fine, good for them. I respect the craft and the work that goes into that. But those people are too cool to be at a, like, I don't know. Like, there's a point where you look so good dressed up as, like, some kind of vampire hunter that you don't really, I feel like, belong in the bar that's, like, themed for nerds anymore. You need to go somewhere else. I had had a similar issue with a a much less... You were saying. You had an issue. Oh, I had an issue with a much less... um focused nerd haven which is uh, i was the whole time i lived in la i lived in echo park which was a rapidly gentrifying hipster kind of neighborhood and there was a barcade near me called button mash which i was in love with and still do love but in particular it stood out because when i first moved to la a friend and i went on kind of a a a barcade seeking adventure trying to figure out uh, what we liked. There's a few places you wanted to try. We skipped around trying them. And the thing that I, that really stood out to me about button mash is that they used actual arcade machines. Like the other places we went, they would have like an uh, iPad with an emulator that would run, you know, 600 different games or whatever. And I was like, this is bullshit. I want nothing to do with this button mash had it. And they got good food. I love that place. But it was hard, not because of the same issue you had, Kyle, where you would go and there'd be people so cool, but also nerdy and into it that it made it difficult. My struggle was that it was full of people who were just younger and more attractive. (laughs) I was like, I want to be here to do my nerd thing and play the games that were a big part of my childhood. And I have to look at all of these sexy, young, fun people also having a good time. I need more creeps. I, I need more sad... Yeah, I need more sad people approaching middle age who are just trying to numb their pain. And so I, I, I do still love button mash, but that always made me a little sad. All the, all the, all the, the sweet butts I was never going to get to touch because I was no longer or never was a part of that demographic. <laughs> yes, I, I get that. I feel that I do want. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if Big Bang Theory, just because of how like the humor works and just like how shallow it enjoys being, if it could really like handle that level of diversity. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it could. It would have to be a completely different type of show. It just frustrates me that it goes unacknowledged. Like, I mean, this is a show where we complain about how unrealistic these nerds are. This is my complaint. This, you know, this is another unrealistic part of nerddom that that nerds are smart and that there are sm- smart people are exclusively nerds when yeah. although uh, i mean we don't really so i will say i thought whenever they go to the comic book shop that always feels like the most legit scenes in the whole show in terms oh, of like how the comic book shop works and how the people there yes, work it looks like an actual comic shop it's just it's just well, covered in random this, nerdy paraphernalia 
in this episode, when they are doing the costume contest, they do brief shots around the room, and it's like, yes, there's the people dressed like badly dressed like Harry Potter characters. Yes, there's four different groups all trying to do a Justice League theme. One of them just has like matching t-shirts with different symbols painted on them. And one of those, you know, and one of them, it's like, it's probably a guy dressed as Wonder Woman. You know, it's just it, that I thought was like, yeah, this looks like the kind of people who would show up for a, a New Year's Eve party at a comic book shop. Yeah. Now, it doesn't tell us whether or not those people are smart or dumb, which was part of your point. But in, ter- in terms of their general, general, general makeup of the crowd, that felt believable to me. None of those people looked like Nobel laureates, I guess is what I'm saying. No, it did not seem that way. So, but all right. Now that I've... <laughs> Complained enough about the, the 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 greater issues with the lack of nerdy representation in the show. Anything else about like the actual episodes you want to get into? Well, a couple. I thought it was nice that they because I did think it was shitty the way they made fun of Zach, and so I guess it was nice for them to like come full circle on that. Well, maybe we shouldn't you know give this guy a hard time because he's dumb thing. Yeah, I I thought about that a little too, and like so that the moment I had watching this episode which I, I briefly wondered about before making up my mind and moving on, was, like, how compassionate should they bother being in the first place? Like, I mean, maybe they should be allowed their moment of bullying, even if it's shitty, because, hey, when are they going to get to do this? Maybe this guy's not that likable or anything. But I think it doesn't work, um, or wouldn't work. I mean, they they are obviously in the wrong, and it's pretty clear in this episode, but, like... Zach is just so nice. Like, yeah, he is a he's a handsome idiot, but he's also never mean to them. He's never mean to anybody. And so, though I think there are situations where I would support their ire. This didn't this wasn't it. Comma chief. It just uh did not yeah, poor Zach. He was he was just and not only and he that, was a, he was along for the ride. He yeah. felt like I mean, so again, maybe he doesn't fit the quality. He's not quite nerdy enough, but he, you know, he's excited to see the inside of a comic book shop and to dress up like Superman. And something I thought was interesting is that he seems to have legitimate nerdy interests that was nonetheless belittled by the other nerds, where he had up-to-date knowledge of the Archie universe, (laughs) where, yeah, Archie is not, uh, you know, obviously a popular with nerd superhero comic, but it is also, like... (laughs) A very long-running, well-respected, if nonetheless, like, aimed at younger yeah, people comic. Community. Yeah, and so that sucks. I mean, that... he met the Punisher, for God's sake. <laughs> it's just, yeah, like, he, he has a legitimate nerdy interest, and rather than using that as as a bridge, you know, they, they just make fun of him more for it. Yeah, and again, that kind of gatekeepery bullshit is probably the most, one of the most realistic parts of the show. Yeah, I mean, we need we need another episode that examines that sp- specifically, where where Zach is really he's going out of his way to relate to these guys, and and they keep closing him out because he can't handle answering random questions about their their interests that uh, are are designed to slip him up. Exactly what you said, gatekeepery bullshit. An episode focusing on that, I think, would be interesting. Also, I feel like this episode gives us. Um a look at 
so sometimes Sheldon comes off like a robot, but in this episode, they, they, a lot of the episode deals with the fact that he's, is one of the episodes I like in which Sheldon is portrayed more as a, as like more childlike because they spend a lot of time focusing on his imagination. When he's dressed up as the Flash, it's very clear that he's not just, uh, he's, you know, he, he knows he's not actually going like a, a thousand miles an hour, but he's, he's very, running all over the place like he was doing that and in he, his head he's he, imagining what that would be like he's very happy to be the flash he he's not just in it because he wants to win a contest he he's he loves being the flash and it's great yes, yes. like it's that's his internal fantasy which is it was kind of like the final the button at the end which wasn't very funny but was interesting where he He's frustrated and he runs to the Grand Canyon and screams at the speed of the Flash and then runs back in his mind. It's like, man, I wish Sheldon was like that all the time. Yeah, it's um, it was good to see. We'll see if there's more of it. But it is nice to see Sheldon uh, just acting like a human. And I don't think he lost his other general Sheldon-like characteristics. He was still very... Rusque. Yes, and, and particular and literal while... Also showing interest and emotion and, like you said, a, a very charming childlike whimsy, which was, was adorable. But um, one thing I'll say about the episode that I, I'm going to say I don't want to focus on, but I... Focus on. Yeah, one thing that I, I feel like I don't want to focus on, but I would be remiss in not touching on just a little bit more, is that this episode does try to bring us back to the main series plot line, which is the will-they-won't-they they of Leonard and Penny's It's part of the myth arc! It is, yeah. This is not a Monster of the Week episode. It's, but, God, I just don't care. Like, the, the other nerds' relationships are more interesting, and I'd like to see focus on those rather than anything between Penny and, and Leonard, especially since, because these episodes it seems are are so designed to be consumed without needing to have a whole lot of knowledge of what came before. We don't have any gradual buildup of tension or intrigue or anything in the Penny-Leonard relationship. Like, it seemed kind of out of left field for me, the awkwardness that I feel like they kind of did try to shoehorn into this episode between Zack and Penny and Leonard... Because by this point, I've just kind of accepted that they're friends and it's fine, and I don't, I don't need that. I'd like to see them both maybe be with other people for a longer while, but you know. Well, not yeah. I, I mean, it's one of those things. I get why. Well, actually, I don't. It's just it feels like it's being forced. I agree. And what would be so like? I would argue, I mean, we've talked before about what if Penny was, like, dating one of the other members of the cast. But actually, I think you bring up a good point that it's weird that I hadn't thought about before. But what would be wrong with the show? In fact, wouldn't it be more interesting if it was just a show about, like, two group, two neighbors, one of whom is extremely nerdy and one of whom is extremely girly. And they're just friends and they get along and they date their own people, but they still hang out and find reasons to like go to parties or do other things together, go on yeah. adventures. And you, you can like, see the way that their lives influence each other and cross over or something that. Right. Without it having to be about like their physical attraction to each other. That would be a much better show. Yeah. But I guess, you know, we need some sort of romantic through line or people won't have any reason to keep going back. You got to know whether they're ever going to smooch. Yeah, my guess is that's not actually true. My guess is that's one of those perceived wisdom things. Like, I'm sure, 
Well, actually, I could be totally wrong. So, audience weigh in. When you were watching the show, did, like, was one of the things that kept you watching, like, was it like a Ross Rachel thing where you really gave a shit whether or not Leonard and Penny were going to end up happily ever after? Because I gotta know. Yeah. uh, Please do let us know, because... I mean, I am watching all of this for the first time, but as I'm watching it, it doesn't interest me. Like, for the first season or two, when there was a big focus on it, you know, it's it seemed like something worth checking in on and seeing how it's updating, but it feels like they've all but abandoned that. And so then any time when they do kind of, like, randomly go back to their relationship, I'm like, all right, yeah, I guess I don't know why the show still has to be about this. They're are other more interesting things going on at this point. But. It's almost better just as a source of, like, jokes from the past. Like, in this episode, there's a pretty good one where Leonard's like, you know, when I was dating Penny, she gave me a hard time all the time. And Zach's like, you were dating Penny? And he's like, yeah. He's like, wow. She did say she dated a guy named Leonard, and I knew you were named Leonard, but I assumed it had to be a different guy named Leonard. That was pretty good. And I especially like that because that was, again, Zach not – even with the slightest ill intent, just 100% not getting, they could have been the same Leonard. Like, how could they possibly... How You couldn't be that Leonard. No way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, well, and how by the end of the interactions, he's like, that may as well be you. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. He's like, okay, but I'm fine with... He's not jealous or threatened or anything. He's just like, I'm fine with it. And then Wallowitz is like, well, you need to talk to Penny. It's like, why? It's like, well, because you got her to sleep with you. So obviously you have a superpower and it's Mind control, so... Yeah, pretty good. All right, I think I am done with the main episode chat, but if you have anything else you'd like to cover before we get into our nerd things, please please say so. I wish I was the kind of person... I I like Kaylee Cuoco. I mean, the audience wooed, so it wasn't just me, but uh, Kaylee Cuoco looks good dressed like Wonder Woman, even in a trashy... She looks probably better in the trashy Halloween costume version of Wonder Woman than she would in, like, the full... Hollywood version. It's it works. It's a good costume. Okay. Well, I do think it's a good costume. I appreciate your openness to being horny on Maine. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah. with that, let us continue on to our 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 nerdy thing of the week or the bye week or whatever we want to call it. I I have I'm going to I'm going to knock out a quick No, our bye nerdy thing of the week is a different thing. It is, which we'll get into as we become more comfortable expressing ourselves in this medium. Um I have I'm going to to rattle out a quick triple recommendation this weekend. I mean this week, but yeah, I'm going to knock out a triple recommendation and it's going to be really quick about each of them because I just so happen to have watched three movies in the last 2 days, all of which I have enjoyed very much, one of which I've seen for the first time. But last night, I showed previous guest uh, and friend Solvay a movie I've seen a few times in love and she'd never seen before, which is uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. The first one movie is a hugely influential, grim, grisly, but not necessarily gory slasher film about a group of young adults, teens, whatever, on a road trip uh, they pick up a creepy guy, things go south, they end up at a scary house, the house turns out to be inhabited by murderous cannibals. End of end of movie. Part two, same director, occurs 13 years later. Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper, yes. It takes place in a different part of Texas where the family is migrated to and focuses primarily on 
uh, our our character Stretch, who is a radio DJ at a at a small kind of covers a broad area, but not well funded. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's an, a, a more or less independent radio station. She the, the the intro of the movie is two people calling in uh, to the show who happen to get chainsaw murdered. <laughs> she she gets wrapped up in the uh, as a as a witness to even if only through audio to this this chainsaw murder and what then proceeds is just insane gory over the top nonsense movie that so the first movie is like it feels pretty serious the second one is absolutely horror comedy and i've seen that toby hooper has said that for the first movie he did intend for it to be a little funnier and he was like a little annoyed that audiences didn't pick up on parts of the movie that he thought were funny. And for the second one, he he just went off the rails, and it is a, a gory, upsetting, goof em up mishmash of horror and ridiculous characters. Like Bill Mosley is in it as Chop Top, a Vietnam veteran with a metal plate in his head that he keeps scraping bits of his own flesh and off of it and chewing on and they just let him run wild for the movie so anyway i was gonna make him short that's my short texas chance on massacre 2 recommendation 2 watched it this morning for charlie and solvay's podcast i watched monster squad it's short version is a bunch of small town kids have to fight all the universal movie monsters and it's great warning there are some homophobic slurs dropped very casually in the first part of the film but i love that movie even if i acknowledge that my love for it might be like 80 percent nostalgia based doesn't make me love it any less and then number three is this morning for the first time i watched shock treatment which is sort of a sequel to the rocky horror picture show it still has brad and janet in it but those that's the only really obvious connection and it's not even really clear that they're the same brad and janet as much as they are just the white bread archetype characters with the same names. But I'd never seen it. I always heard it was far inferior to Rocky Horror Picture Show. And though that may be true, I nonetheless found myself in love with it. The plot is borderline incoherent, (laughs) but everything else about it I found wonderful. And it happens to be completely available on YouTube right now. So I'd recommend checking that out too. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2... Monster Squad, shock treatment. Kyle, your turn. So mine, it's ironically still about Kaylee Cuoco. I started watching Harley Quinn on HBO, the the new animated series. It's actually not new now. It's in its second season, but I had never watched it before because I didn't think I was going to like it. Not the idea of a of an R-rated cartoon show centered around Harley Quinn just didn't sound like something I would particularly be into. But I was wrong. It's fantastic. It's much less like uh, well, I haven't seen Birds of Prey, so I don't I don't really know what the vibe of that movie. But it's I suspect fine. Well, I suspect it's a very different vibe because the vibe isn't really like like anywhere near as like straight or serious as any of the live action movies. But it's not also not anything like Batman the animated series. Like it's very much like the closest comparison. The one I think it very strongly evokes is it's very much um, like Venture Brothers DC Universe. Oh, because it's it sort of all of the heroes and villains have sort of a similar relationship to each other that like exists in that universe. Um, 
where it's like being a being a villain is basically seen as like a a very controversial career choice and their relationship you know and everybody's just trying to climb to the top of the celebrity pile and in the first episode harley quinn you know breaks up with the joker and decides she's going to set out and be complete her own sort of journey to become like an infamous supervillain in her own right and assemble her own crew and so the show is it's hard to talk about what I like about the show without getting really in the weeds, so I'm going to try not to. Except to say that, like, I expected the show to either be, like, sort of an R-rated comedy with a bunch of F-bombs and uh, and sexual humor, or, like, you know, an, something that's really committed to, like, DC world building and lore in its own writers and something like that. And it's actually, it does a really good job of being both. It it ha- It creates very interesting sort of novel takes on all of the different characters that are sort of jokey, but still different enough from like uh, other classic jokes and tropes that you get about these characters that they feel novel. <laughs> like one of her crew is, uh, is doc. Well, I'm not going to get into all that cause it's, it's way too in the weeds, but let me just, so anyway, as a, as just one example of how committed they are, how much they obviously love the comic books, one of the characters who appears in season one is the Queen of Fables. The Queen of Fables is a character who appeared in one arc of of the Justice League comic book, not even Justice League, JLA, for like four issues written by Mark Wade in 1998. And they actually, and at the, she's a supervillain who has the power to, of like, to like resurrect like magical effects and monsters out of like fairy tales. And she almost kills the whole Justice League, including, like, sleeping, beautying Wonder Woman. And at the end, they trap her inside a tax book. And that's, like, like nobody has done anything with that character since, except for one brief arc by Steve Orlando where she fights Promethea. Anyway, I was never expecting to hear about this character. But she come, But as an example of, like, how this show works, like, when Harley Quinn is looking for a mentor, Poison Ivy introduces her to the Queen of Fables who is a, now a sentient talking tax book who runs a small, like, H&R block somewhere. Oh! And gives her, and gives her some advice. And there's, and there's a whole joke dedicated to just how fucked up it is. It's like, yeah, if you're like Lex Luthor and you almost kill the Justice League a thousand times, then that's fine. You, so, like, the point, it's like, it's actually, yeah, in, that, in a weird way, it's sort of fucked up and sexist that... That her penalty is so much worse. And then she, and so as if that joke wasn't good enough, then eventually she's freed from the book and immediately proceeds to like murder a whole bunch of people. And Harley Quinn's like, oh, you're not like goofy gag evil like I am. You're not like bank robber evil. You're like take over the world and, and like extinguish a whole family, including the children, so nobody comes back for revenge evil. Maybe we should, maybe we can't work together. Aww. It's like I, I still respect you as like an idol and a mentor, but it's just like our styles aren't very compatible. So just like, just like in that one rec- like minor recurring character and the way she's used in the show is a lot of what I really like about it because it it's like it's it's a deep comic book cut. It's sort of a radical recharacterization of a character. It's it's several funny gags, and then it's sort of a consideration of like the different sort of the sliding scale of villainy that like the show works in. So as a, as sort of a counter example that I won't poison Ivy is one of the major recurring characters, her best friend slash future romantic Im- uh, interest, I suspect. And um, she's like, yeah, I'm a villain because I 
destroy people who are literally murdering the environment. Like I blow up, you know, like bulldozers and factories where they're strip mining people. And that apparently in our society makes me a bad guy on the level of the Joker. I don't know what to tell you. That's just, (laughs) that's the world we live in. Pretty great. So I highly recommend it. And Kaylee Cuoco is the voice of Harley Quinn, which you mostly get over. Like it's, (laughs) I thought it would distract me more than it it would. It was definitely weird in the pilot. It's particularly grating because it's like she's, she drops the F-bomb every 30 seconds so that you know the show is really R-rated. But she does a pretty good job. I mean, it, it, she does a – that still sounds condescending. She's, she's great. Well, good. And so it's just called Harley Quinn, is that right? Yes. Uh, it was originally on – DC tried to have their own streaming service for a while, and it didn't work. And, but this was one of its headline shows, and now it's been translated – now it's been transferred over to HBO Max. Uh, well, all right. Four recommendations. I, I had to pause. I was going to say four quality recommendations, but let's be honest. Let's be honest. All right. Well, I don't know. I got nothing else. How you doing, Kyle? You got anything else? Uh, nope. That's it. All right. Let's end this shit. Thanks, nerds. Bah. <laughs>